This podcast is intended for listeners that are 18 years or older. Explicit language, sensitive content, and views that are objectionable to some listeners may be present in the podcast. As such, listener discretion is strongly advised. Please read our podcast terms and conditions before listening to Up the Rabbit Hole. Hey, welcome back to another exciting session of Up the Rabbit Hole with a Sex Therapist. And this is Dr. Corey Harushka with my lovely co-host, Brandy. Okay. So let's start off with our joke of the day. So, I mean, this is a nice short one, but it kind of gets to the point related to our topic. I have a dog named, his name is Libido. And the other person, I thought you said earlier, you don't have a dog. Uh, me, sigh. Exactly. <laughs> kind of related to that libido. So. And here we go. So I guess to start off, I think it's really important to define libido. Yeah. I mean, the general def- definition of libido would be your sexual d- desire or drive. And it can be impacted by a whole bunch of different things. So normally we break it down into three big clusters. Your biological causes, which are commonly your hormones, medication, health, um, even some of the, you were mentioned earlier, even substances that you're ingesting, like, you know, drugs, um, you know, pot and or cocaine or meth, these can actually impact your sex drive by either increasing it up, decreasing it, um, or impacting your uh, your functioning level. So uh, interestingly, one of the common patterns is marijuana is actually used as one of the off-label um, ways to treat premature ejaculation, interestingly. Um, so that's kind of one, um, as well as a lot of medications. Medications are famous, uh, especially your SSRIs, your antidepressant medications are famous for impacting different components of your sexual functioning, either arousal, either functioning, either erection um, or orgasm response. And different ones respond differently to um, each area. So uh, not all antidepressants affect the sexual functioning in the same way, just to let you know. Uh, Psychological issues. Do you want to talk about any of some of the common psychological issues that you've experienced that uh, clients will have that impact their libido? Yeah, the big one that we see lots is actually trauma. Yeah. So um, if there has been sexual assault, unwanted touch, um, it, it really any type of uh, you've been on the, the, the front lines of war, you've been in a big car accident, workplace accident, any of the big traumas that we do see or even little traumas like being bullied or having performance anxiety, um, those can really interfere with um, being able to get intimate with your partner because your mind just kind of goes or anxiety kicks in, or there is like an actual trauma response that prevents you from getting into a intimate type of headspace, which can be extremely difficult for couples. A lot of people have those triggers. So if something happens in the past, even though it might not be related to the current partner, they have these body triggers, emotional triggers, body memories that can cause that trauma response to flood up. Another thing too is religiosity. (laughs) Yes. We, we see that a lot. A lot, um, surprisingly, right? yes. So unfortunately, as I have worked with lots of people with this, um, religion and sex are um, sometimes not 100% compatible. Uh, religion isn't a sometimes uh, very sex forward. And a lot of times the thinking is we have sex to have children versus the pleasurable side of sex. So sometimes people can really have a difficult time breaking out of that kind of foundational mind frame, and then it does really impede their sex life as well. 
And I want to qualify that because like some religions are very sex positive, but sometimes you have to look at within each uh, sect or within each denomination. Some are very positive regarding it and some are very um, conservative regarding it. And anything that reduces guilt or causes that dynamic will impact someone's psychology, which impacts their functioning. Um, and I've had clients. Sometimes. Sorry. <laughs> I did say sometimes. Not all. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying it's like not to down all religions, but it's like there is a common pattern that we'll see in the majority of mainstream religions. Um, but it's really each, even each church or each kind of temple may have a different lens depending on who's leading it. So, but it's another factor that relates uh, directly to how things will work by a lot, you know, functioning with individuals body as well as libido. Some could have a high libido, but their body's not going to work very well because of some of that guilt or those dynamics or vice versa inside sometimes too. Yep. Uh, even just simple anxiety and depression, um, those just by themselves will increase your either performance anxiety um, or your depression. Your mood isn't good enough to even motivate you to do much. So why would you want to have sex? So these are some factors that just to be aware of can uh, psychologically impact uh, your functioning. And, and libido. Then, and then, of course, we've got relational issues. Yeah, and that's all your environmental, relational stuff. Um, and that could be my common ones. I call them it's environmental interference, too. So if you have a conflict with your partner and you're not really happy with them, it makes sense. You're not going to want to have sex with them at that point until things get mended. Uh, my favorite one that I is li lifestyle or even children and noise. So if the lights are on, the windows open, you have children in the next room, you get self-conscious, people don't work so well. And some do, <laughs> but it all depends on what their, what their pattern is. You know, some like the windows wide open with the, <laughs> and some like won't, won't do anything at all. This is true. Sleep is another really important one. Sleep, stress, work issues. Those can impact sexual functioning as well. So make sure that those are being addressed um, and, and your conflicts. Those are the, the other one that I'll see commonly in therapy sessions is because there's that conflict going on. There's a residual impact that impacts your intimacy and desire for sex. There's interestingly enough, when you say sleep, I just read an article about what is better for you, a nap or masturbation. And then what did they say? Um, it actually said that masturbation can be just as good as having a nap because it gives you all those hormones. You feel relaxed. You feel rested. You feel better afterwards. So you can awesome. do both of them, masturbate and then have a nap. Because <laughs> there's so many variables in this whole process of understanding libido. I think the big issue that we're talking about is we're trying to navigate it and understand it. So the first thing is to navigate these questions to rule out what might be causing it. And uh, a lot of people think most of the libido is caused from biological issues, but in my experience and in talking with a lot of medical professionals, you know, they might get a, the cluster, but overall the majority of cases are more psychological and relational issues than biology. So, but biology is the easiest one to rule out because we can do some tests and checks and see where you're at, but they, they interact and interrelate to each other quite a bit. So just something to be aware of rule those things out so we know right off the get-go that you know everything is healthy in in a medical sense and then we can follow through it it really changes treatment planning from a psychological perspective it's you know if there is a medical issue we have to take that into consideration you bet i think it's important if you're going to come in to see a therapist i encourage you to write down all those key areas well not that you can remember all this but there's a lot of information on the websites and in there to kind of 
identify these key points and help that therapist identify what might be the issue. Cause I could spend an hour, hour and a half sometimes digging through someone's environment, their, their biology, their, you know, their history um, and, and their psychology is just trying to make sense because people think it's really easy. Oh, what's causing this? It's like, Oh, I got a list of a hundred questions to ask you <laughs> before I'm going to help you make a definitive you know, answer on this. And, you know, and still then sometimes it's tricky. Yep. It most certainly is. Should we get down to questions? Sounds good. We've got some good ones this time. Uh, question number one, I, now this is a 35-year-old male speaking, have been dating my girlfriend, who's the 30-year-old female, for almost a year, and we are in love. The amount of sex we have has declined steadily throughout the entire relationship. Currently, we're doing sexy stuff roughly once a month. This is lower than my current libido, and I'm having trouble grappling with the idea of even less sex over time. I'm not naive to the idea that happy and successful partnerships can be sexless for periods of time, but mostly concerned with the trend and I'm afraid our steady state will be much less than I'm ready for. Any advice on how to have a meaningful conversation with her about this? I think he started with already a good start. I mean, he's identified the key issues. Um, I think just taking literally this statement and bringing it forward to say is, uh, you know, the Hey, I'm just wondering what's going on. Here's what I noticed. Is there anything going on on their side? Here's where I'm at. Um, but I mean, it is common for sex drive to decrease over time because partly just due to novelty and or comfort, the more comfortable you are, the more available someone is, the less, you know, drive or need to kind of go get that sexual experience kind of, you know, done done with or even motivated towards so i think it's just uh be aware that that can occur it doesn't occur with everyone and it takes about two months to two to three years for this uh you call it in love so you know we call it limerence for that to kind of decrease a little bit um and start to cool down which commonly is associated with same patterns of sex absolutely absolutely and then again and, sorry go ahead no, go ahead. You're, you're going to start. I was just going to say we don't have any um, information in regards to if there's any type of drugs that have been ingested, if there's any type of um, medication that is being taken, if there's any type of um, medical stuff that which we typically rule out first. And then the other thing I was going to say is, ladies and gentlemen, sex needs to be talked about. It's in like any other topic. What kind of car are we buying? Should we build a house? Are we going on holidays? Sex needs to be part of the discussion. I think as we talk about that discussion, that we want to understand what is sex for that person. Some lots of times, if again we mentioned earlier, if there's some relationship issues, if she's bored, um, and I'll play with her from his perspective, she's bored, or she just used it to de-stress, um, or just to be able to kind of build that initial relationship. That might happen, and then once she gets comfortable, or there's work stress. So again, I want him to be able to go through all of these possible core areas to see what may have impacted it. Some people just use it to distress. And that's kind of like, hey, honey, I'm really stressed. And this is kind of how they, rather than an intimacy base. From a women's perspective, though, that is, those numbers are quite low. Let's be honest. That's yes. more, I could see a men's perspective more, but women's perspective, that is, those numbers are quite low, according to um, the best person in the world, in my opinion, to talk about that, Emily Nagoski. So I would also start looking at her brakes, her accelerators, and her context. What is going on here for her? So like, is he just not showering and wanting to get it on? Is he just 
called her a name and he thinks that she should be receptive to that? Is there any foreplay? Are, are the love languages being met? I mean, there's a whole bunch of things to be looking at from a female perspective because Lord knows we're a little bit more complex. But there's lots of guys that run that same way too. So it's just being where we got that wide continuum from intimacy based to kind of, yeah. you know, activity or sexual based. But it needs to be talked about, I think, first and foremost. Yeah, and we're just guessing right now because again, he had he brought some stuff, so we're just going to throw out some ideas. Again, if there if the insecurity is no longer insecure and she used insecurity to get close, that could be or you know, or the sex to satiate that insecurity. Sometimes that's one activity, but she could also feel no comfort, and so there's that the drive goes down. So again, there's so many possibilities. Absolutely. So this is a complex one. I think we say this every time, not quite enough information. <laughs> yeah, but again, that's where we want to throw out some questions. Maybe she doesn't know what she actually likes, and she was just running on that novelty in the beginning. And so now it's about trying to understand what she may like, given if he already knows what he does. Um, what else did I kind of put well, for some of my thoughts here? From a, from a female perspective can be difficult if there's been a, a large either loss of weight. or Yes, that can commonly be very much. A big thing for women because now we're like oh I should really hide all this whether it be too thin too heavy whatever they feel or uncomfortable in your own skin and so um, that can also make a difference where just don't want to be seen yeah and you mentioned Emma so good books to kind of look for more information Emily in the Goskies book um, come as you are is one good one mating in captivity is another good one from um, Esther Perel I would, if you want the Coles Notes version and not read the book, Principles of Pleasure, which is based on the Emily Nagoski book on Netflix, it's only three episodes. You can both watch it. Sounds but good. I'll so yeah, go. we got, you got a good start for questions um, in terms of what the, you know, it sounds like your intent is really positive. Um, explore some of those options, just bring it up and say something has changed and you want to know how come and explore it and see if we can, get it back on track to where, you know, either he's looking for it or what he might need to do in order to get her up or, you know, his numbers don't sound like problematic in terms of desire. So it's, I have individuals going, I want to have sex seven times a day and my partner doesn't want to. And so what's going on? And I, it's like, well, now we're getting a whole different pattern here. So sometimes we have to look at numbers to see how they compare to norm. Uh, Cause some people get really hooked into it and they expect everyone to be at their same level too, but not in this case. You know what? The one thing we didn't, we forgot about too is dynamics. Sexual you dynamics. want to explain? You want yeah, to explain sure. more? Yes, absolutely. So sexual dynamics, and I use this a lot in sessions with clients too, looks very different. We have the hunter prey dynamic, which is like a dom sub. So the hunter, now total generalizing is typically men who they want to go out and find their prey and prey is submissive and they, get to do what they want works great for for penis donors because that's a, a fantastic dynamic and the woman is more submissive alternatively we also have the service dom and the dominatrix type of dynamic where the female is more dominant and the male is more submissive and then in all of those intersections we have what's called switch and those are people who can actually go from dominance to submissive and if but the problem is if we have two dominants together they both want to kind of take charge and if we have two submissives together, no one's initiating. So even when we start to get into a relationship, sometimes it's just like, ooh, this is novel, this is new, sparkly, fun, how great. 
but we it's not our normal dynamic and when things get more comfortable we want to get into our more kind of typical dynamic but if we're both on the same that can be difficult so i would also look at those sex dynamics and see what that looks like right yeah because they could have started off with just a traditional dynamic because of expectations depending on their experience and then they realize that that's not really how they prefer to run and they're just it's kind of now just phasing out. But if they want to, if you want to find more information regarding that uh, process that Brandy was just talking about, I wrote uh, an article, a model of action, perceived power. And so see if we can put a link to that on the bottom of this too. It's also on our website at insightpsychological.ca. And I'll explain a little bit more about how the dance can go in different people. And it's not really related to gender. There's some, because interestingly, you mentioned that service doms, <clears throat> about the research was supporting about 40% of men actually fall into that category, which is way higher than I initially would have expected. Yep. So something to look into and we will have that available to you. So whew, good thing I thought about that. Okay. On Monday morning. All right, question number two. Um, I have a very high libido. I have PCOS and my testosterone levels are triple what a normal woman is. I'm also into kinky stuff and love sex, porn and role playing. My husband doesn't have a strong sex drive and he goes through phases. I think a lot of it is because his parents aren't outright affectionate and are super Catholic. You only have sex to make babies. He's not religious, but I don't think sex was something he had ever had a strong desire for. And I used to cry a lot because it felt so, I felt so rejected. And now I don't even ask him for sex. Any advice on how to improve our situation? Yeah, so PCOS, PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome is a kind of an ovarian syndrome that you will find that a lot of women who have that tend to have higher levels of testosterone. Um, I think in my experience with women with PCOS, they tend to be a lot more assertive overall too. Um, and so that kind of makes sense in terms of how she is kind of talking about herself. Uh, in this case, his sex drive isn't very high. And so here we have this reverse of what we call would be a traditional expectation. And here we have our fun religion component in here, which just adds a wonderful variable to kind of complicate it. And so I guess, you know, the first thing is my hunch is it's really not about her because she's, it sounds like she's personalizing it um, and have slowly kind of got out of personalizing it, which is good. Um, but I think the first question that I have her is that, you know, the openness to alternative lifestyles um, does not always involve sexuality. And so I guess my curiosity with her partner is, is there any crossover between her interest in the kink stuff and her husband's potential interest in that kink stuff? Uh, maybe she could, he could go into penance and he would fulfill some of that. <laughs> she can make penance for him or give penance to him. The other thing I would look at too, um, I know she said that um, her husband is not religious, but growing up in that and around that with um, a family who's highly religious, just because he may not be practicing those values and morals and expectations could still be, could still be ingrained to a point where it's really affecting um, how he sees sex. I would even say it's more likely because that that history of the number of years that it's kind of you've you've been around it, you're either gonna it's gonna ingrain into part of your system and impact you, even if it's not consciously impacting you. Or you're gonna rebel against it. That's what I'll see the other time. It's either fully rebelling off or it's gonna just still have that residue. Yeah. So that might be something to really take into consideration. And I mean, 
he may maybe even talking about sex might be something that's extremely difficult for him. So I would take baby steps in that regard. Does the communication still need to be there? Yes, but let's start at where he's comfortable and at least get some input from him. And that could open up the door to either alter, other, other alternative lifestyles in terms of um, opening the relationship up, if he's okay with that, depending on his, his views regarding that or to just particular behaviors because I know she's into some of the kink stuff. So again, there's, there could be just some kink experiences outside of the relationship. There could be some sexuality stuff if they're all agreeable. The important part of this is that negotiation, um, openness and that honesty in terms of what they can handle. And it may change even as they discuss if that's where they end up going. Yep, agreed. Any thoughts on resources for this? Oh, because there's so many little things in here. I think we need more. Of course, we need more information. So we need to we need to get him on this podcast and asking him a bunch of questions to find out what's going on with him. Is it, you know, is she too dominant? Like, there's so many possibilities. That's why I talked like I have my base hundred questions. If if she's more assertive and have high libido, some guys run, they don't run hot that way, right? So they, um, it's just trying to get his understanding of his pattern of, you know, sexual dynamics that work for him and until we get his arousal templates kind of mapped we're running blind you know we could generalize to this typical male but that's that doesn't apply to you know. yeah no absolutely so i mean great question lots of lots of intricacies on this one i would suggest but even yeah even with sex like i guess are there other sexual activities even if it's not sex penis and vagina dynamics that he might be willing to work with her on um or are there any other issues is there depression is there you know we want to rule out that biology stuff or the mental health stuff just those of check those out too so we can slowly make sense of it so that we can start getting that traction yeah and so that that would be a great place to start i think too uh third question my partner and i are men in our mid-30s and our relationship is great this question isn't coming out of crisis, but rather curiosity. My partner and I have very mismatched sex drives. I want it all the time, and he's pretty content at once a week or less. Sex for us is in a global sense, not just anal. We're focusing on communication about our wants and needs. It seems to be working, but part of me worries about feelings of being neglected or feelings of being inadequate to fulfill your partner's, it says burgers, but I don't think it's meant to be burgers. Probably needs or, you know, wants. Yeah. Uh, okay, so did a failure partner's needs could be long-term problem if we are not careful. Any advice to give me peace of mind about this? Well, my first question is when you say you want it all the time, what, what is all the time? That means like 24-7, seven days a week, and, you know, you could go seven, eight, nine, ten times in a day. And so uh, the record client that I had was about 30 times a day. Um, and then my next records are running around, I would say seven to 12 times a day. Usually this would be not with another partner. Most of this would be masturbation. But then we move into kind of a whole nother pattern. And I'm curious of what's causing that high drive. Um, and it sounds like they're been in a relationship for a while. So I wouldn't say it's high novelty, you know, in that first, that first year in the relationship. And so I'm trying to get like, I'm more curious about his high drive than, um, the once a week or less type thing. So um, that's a little bit more in the norm when you're looking at over a period of extended time in a relationship, but everyone has a bit of a different dynamic. 
Well, and I like that, you know, they're focusing on the communication about wants and needs, which is fantastic. Um, uh, however, what kind of, you know, the neglected, um, being neglected or feelings of being inadequate, that's also really, really important. So how do we mitigate those? Yeah, and there's that psychological trigger. And so my question is, if he's not having a level of intimacy, um, either of them technically, then either one could be trying to chase intimacy through sexuality because they're trying to meet that need, and one could be avoiding that because they don't have enough intimacy. And so this is the importance of looking at those relational dynamics is how do these relational dynamics differ within the person and then between the individuals to help get an understanding of your relational love map in, in here. So it's, I mean, the peace of mind is, you know, making sure to kind of map that arousal, map that relational pattern, find out what's going on. Is this a short-term issue? Is there, again, your workplace, your stress, your sleep, your medications, you know, and or on, on, on his side, if it's high, is this he's just using it to coping or insecurity or anxiety? So what's causing that high drive or that mismatch? We're trying to find both what's causing the high, what might be causing the lower. Is there a happier medium that we can kind of you know, reach between to, to scratch their emotional needs or address any biological issues? 100%. And I think we still need to to um, remember that sex can be used as like self-medicating. It doesn't need to be alcohol or drugs or gambling or shopping. Sex can also be used to self-medicate and feel better. And you get those, those rush of, you know, the feel goods of the dopamine and the oxytocin and the serotonin. So we need to look at that respect as well. If it gets into higher numbers and that drive, because also is, you know, are they masturbating? Is Susie masturbating regularly or is the other person masturbating and that, you know, they're doing more self-sexuality, which is going to decrease or increase drive depending on the person. So lots of things to look at in that one too. Uh, we have one last question. I am a 31 year old woman and I've been with my gorgeous boyfriend for just over two years. I've always thought that he is the one, but we fought horribly over the last month over our mismatched libidos. I've always been the kinky and wild type of girl that wants to do it all the time. When we first got together, he seemed to enjoy this and sex was pretty frequent. He'd initiated a lot. Since we moved in together, however, it has dropped off to maybe three to four times a week and he doesn't initiate anymore. It's always me. He also seems disinterested in my body. I love my body, but if I walk around the house naked, he doesn't really look up from the TV. We talk about it but things don't improve in fact it makes things worse as he feels pressured i'm just satisfied and frustrated meanwhile a guy at work is interested in me and i'm terrified of wavering one day after a night of no sex and feeling gross and insecure about being rebuffed by my boyfriend how much weight am i supposed to give this issue in the overall context of our relationship and how can i improve this situation and we need lots of information from him my initial gut from reading this is if the supply is really high, which it seems to be with her, the demand goes down. And so he doesn't need to chase her because she's always available all around. It's like having the 24 hour, you know, seven day buffet around you on terms of whatever you might want. The, the initial uh, excitement kind of runs hot for a bit, but after a while, you know, you can go to the buffet anytime you want and eat whenever you feel like it. And now you don't want to be pressured to go eat. Uh, and therefore, that can start to impact a pattern of behavior over time. If she is higher need or want, 
pressuring him, the more she pressures and more has that desire or that feeling of neediness, there's a high probability that his desire of her is going to go down due to that neediness rather than chasing her because they're um, kind of in that more positive headspace. I'd also look at the dynamics because how she puts it, it sounds like she would be that dominant type. Now, this is just how I read it. Um, and what if he's also the dominant type? Right. They're switched. So yeah, they're competing in their system. Yeah. Yeah. And so I would really look at those dynamics. And is there to mitigate, would it be possible one of them could be switched? So, for instance, could she just relax? and calm the jets a little bit and let him chase her. And then midway through, she can just say, okay, you've had your fun, now it's my turn. But at least let him start in that dynamic, which may work better for him. Gotta do a little bit of fishing or seduction, which is you kind of dangle it and then pull away and watch if it makes a difference. So as you artificially decrease that supply, does his demand go up? Would be an interesting you know, question for me. Um, or even sometimes when you can't have what you want, that's when your drive goes up. Because right now he can have what he wants when he wants it, so to speak. Even though we playful, and you can have a discussion. I, I don't want you just doing this, you know, secretively. But by having a discussion and kind of testing some of this, so by being open and playing with that, then it keeps that relationship kind of alive as you start to navigate new dynamics. Well, and I would ask what it was beforehand, because three to four times a week is, I mean, for in your 30s, that's not too shabby. So I would wonder what it was prior to three to four times a week. Yeah. So it's still high compared to the average. Yes. <clears throat> and so again, it's just, yeah, what was it like before? And I guess also the depending on I'm curious is how much work. I know some cases where it could be a lot of work for one partner and not a lot of work for the other partner. And so they're like, it's nice that we're eating this fun meal, but I'm doing all the cooking, right? It's taken me all the work. So it's it's a different pattern on who's doing the work and what that work looks like versus the kind of the benefit and game. So again, there's lots of variables to explore in this, which is what keeps us kind of busy and excited in this process. Absolutely. I'd also look at her accelerator. She may have just a real sensitive accelerator in the fact of like just the little, little littlest things that can be a turn on for her. And so uh, sometimes women also, not just men, women also use sex to de-stress. So it, is there a stress component that she's using this to de-stress or is it not? It's this pure hunger of, <laughs> I want to get down and dirty. I don't know, but there's things to be taken into consideration. Yeah. So is there enough weight to give to this? Yes. I think there's enough sure. weight that it's important to investigate more of this because something has changed and you're not happy. And so we want to kind of address whatever that might be and explore the changes. Well, and again, it comes down to communication. How are we going to talk about this without the blaming? You know, you don't give me enough or you don't do this or you don't do that. It's just very much, you know what, here's what it is for me. Um, what is it for you? And is there a way that we can negotiate and compromise this? Yes, I remember libido dynamics are extremely complex, even though everyone thinks it's so just nice and easy, right? I, playfully, when I look at even fishing, you know, some fish like certain hooks and they won't touch other hooks or types of bait. And so this is this dynamic back and forth of understanding what each side tends to like in order to be able to work towards that mutually agreeable, positive experience. I love that you just referenced fishing. That's hilarious. I tend to do that in my fishing and hunting, right? Because that goes into, 
the art of seduction, you know, you wiggle your hook and kind of pull it away. And it's how you do it is, and it could be subtle. Everyone has such a subtle difference in terms of what works for them um, versus hunting dynamics, which is, you know, that's your predator prey, a playful predator prey dynamic is some people, the desire to be desired is what turns them on. And as soon as someone starts chasing them, they feel turned on and off they go. Some it's their total off. So it's, it's going to take communication and um, really sitting down and figuring out these dynamics, I think. Take yeah, away. I am curious. I am oh. curious to see if the boyfriend is actually rebuffing him or she just feels rebuffed. So that's the dynamic to, to see. Is this an emotional perception or mm -hmm. is it genuine, right? Oh, absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. Um, takeaways from today. What are your takeaways? First one, I'd say mismatched libido is a sign of a problem in the relationship. Um, the question is what kind of issue is going on? And it could be a personal problem. It could be a relational problem. Um, it could be a source of tension. It can cause problems. Um, but it, yeah, but it doesn't necessarily mean there's a problem with the relationship itself overall. It's just a problem in the relationship somewhere. I agree. I would really take a look at those sex dynamics. Again, they'll be at the end of the podcast and really, um, you know, figure out where do I fit? Where does my partner fit? Do things need to be mitigated or not? And how can we communicate about our wants and needs within these dynamics? I think also um, libido does not necessarily like mismatched libido or even lower libido does not mean they're not sexually or even attracted to you. Um, remember that libido and attraction are two separate things. And just because their partner can have a lower level of sexual desire does not necessarily mean they're not attracted to you. So be able to kind of pull that apart, understand some of that historical dynamics or what's going on in the relationship. I like it. Anything else you want to leave the listeners with today? I think that covers it quite well overall, given the questions. This one's actually quite complex, even though it sounds so nice and easy. Just there's so many variables. Um, when we're looking at a relational dynamic, as soon as you add another person into the mix, it like geometric sequence, the, in, you know, the relationship variables and the, you know, complicating it of it. it just takes one person to do something different and off it goes. It changes. Agreed. Sweet. So we'll let you guys have a good rest of the day or you know before we do our next podcast and hopefully we'll have some updates for you from our events that are coming up over the next <laughs> few months thank you again all for listening we appreciate you